leadership structure was unique. Each of them humbly led well and provided stability, accountability, and trust that our body needed. So can we just give them another hand? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Man. <laughs> well done. Well done. This spring, they worked uh, together to develop the vision and values that will direct OLCC as we set our eyes on the future. And just a word, uh, we said this yesterday in a meeting, we are headed into the future. We're not standing still, we're not, we're not looking past, we are headed to the future, and I'm so excited about that. So, so on behalf of all the elders, we are sincerely thankful for all the work the leadership team has done and the whole church uh, staff as a whole. So thank you guys. Amen. So the, the one-year anniversary of this cooperative leadership structure is, is almost upon us. And uh, when we initially communicated this structure to you last fall, we stated that we would evaluate it for a year and seek the Lord about what structural changes might be needed, if any. And so the elders have done that uh, with much prayer and contemplation over the, the previous months. And so to that end... Uh, we want to announce that we believe that God has indicated to us that Brock Bingaman should now be designated as the permanent lead pastor, directly responsible for all the church operations. And so with this change, Brad and Mike will be reporting directly to Brock. And with much humility, we're asking God to lead and empower all of us as we move into this new and exciting season at OLCC. And we look forward to partnering with all of you as we set our eyes on the bright future and vision that we believe God has for us and is beginning to reveal to us. So at this time, I'd like to ask uh, Mike and Brad to come up, and then Brock will be sharing uh, his thoughts after this also. So, Brad, you want to start? Thanks, Wallace. Thanks, guys. Um, I, I just want to... Uh, uh, it's an honor, first of all, just to just to be up here in front of you and to be a pastor here at this church. It still feels like a new thing to me, uh, but it's an honor and uh, a privilege, truly. And I just want you to know, like, um, wow, what a set of events we've been through. Uh, I left the business world to join staff for the first time in my life. I'd never been on staff at a church. I've done worship stuff at a church my whole life, but I've never been on staff, not a single time, until I left my job to come and be here under AT and with these guys. And then just a few months later, everything got turned upside down in my world and in our world. But I say that, and that's not really true. It didn't get turned upside down. It was just an amazing, like the way God rescued us, the way God led us through all of that stuff is truly phenomenal. And I still wake up sometimes and I'm just flooded with a sense of thankfulness in my heart at how God chose to rescue us from considerable things. And so I'm honored to be here and it has been such an honor to lead with, to co-lead with Brock and with Mike. And I'll tell you, coming from the business world, it kind of popped my brain a little bit to think, how are we gonna do this with a three co-leader strategy? That is not normal and I'm not even sure I believe in that. 
Um, that, that's true. I'm just telling you, like, I, it didn't make sense to me from an authority perspective. I'm pretty sensitive to authority. I like to know the authority chain. I like to understand, you know, who you account to. The reality is we accounted very seriously to the elders. So that was all, like, it worked. And I really believe God sovereignly led us to that decision. Truly, like, for that season, it, it was amazing. It was like, we just, I believe the Holy Spirit guided us in our hearts and in our minds. The leaders that were here, he, he gave us a strategy to not disrupt, but to keep moving forward, to take care of you guys, to take care of us um, in the least disruptive, I think in the most healing kind of way. And I'm so thankful. And so sometimes I just wake up and I, I'm just so thankful. Thank you, God, for doing that here. And, uh, but at the same time, we were all asking ourselves the question, how long is this gonna, is this gonna be? And we, I mean, there for a while I thought, man, this could be five or 10 years. It pops my brain, it kind of offends me, but it's working and it's really beautiful. But at the same time, I was always asking the question and we were you know, continually praying and seeking the Lord for his future will. And I just want you to know, so I'll, I'll make this shorter than I, <laughs> than I am right now. Um, <laughs> I want you to know how uh, deeply honored I am to serve Brock in this way. And I believe with all my heart and mind that God has said, uh, for such a time as this, he has raised up Brock for this work. And I've known Brock for many years. He's married to one of my best friends of all my life. We grew up here, you guys know that. But um, I'm just standing back and watching. I think it, it feels like a... It feels very strange how God has assembled us as leaders here. And now it's like as it unfolds, it's just more and more beautiful and more and more understood in me how he did that. And so I just want you to know that it's my deep honor to serve under Brock um, and to serve his vision. And we've created vision and values together and that continues um, and I believe that this is going to mean even more freedom to run in my own gifts and freedom for Mike to run in his own gifts as God has called us each. So I just want you to know, uh, there, moments like this, there's often the chance for people to wonder, what really happened behind the scenes? What's really going on? And I just need you to know it's blessing and blessing and blessing behind the scenes. It's good. It's really good. So with that... We did actually arm wrestle and Brock won, so that's kind of, <laughs> it's actually the real story. No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Mike Adele doesn't believe me. Yeah, because you all know I would have won, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won. <laughs> but the elder said, nope, let's do that again. Um, my name's Mike Milner, if you don't know me, um, and uh, I've, been on, I've had the privilege of being on staff here at Our Lords for six years, and I uh, can't believe that as I say that out loud. It's been uh, nine years that we've... Thank you. Uh, it's been nine years since we moved here from the UK as a family, and um, it's been an amazing journey, and I want to echo everything that Brad has um, expressed about the process and about the affirmation of Brock being put into this role. It's a real privilege um, and it's emerged in a very natural way. I think we have felt, um, we've had, honestly, we've had a lot of fun and the three of us leading together and I think we've learned some really important things about collaboration and about recognizing gifting and about how to hear the Holy Spirit through each other 
so that it's not just about one person, but it's about a team and bringing all of their gifts to bear for the benefit of the church. And I think that just to say that, um, it's important you know that that's how we work together. There's a, there's a lot of trust and transparency. We challenge one another, we speak the truth to one another, and we listen to one another. And even though there's an importance in Brock taking on this role, that's very much how it works. Um, and we all need each other. And I think that extends into the staff team, that extends into the ministry leaders, into all of you guys. And you've heard us talk, if you've been around for any length of time, about the value that we have of everybody plays. And everybody plays simply just means you're all powerful people, full of the Holy Spirit, with gifting and calling from God to play your part. And the church functions at its very best when we all step into that place. And so really our leadership and the way that we function um, is about trying to facilitate that and develop that. And we feel that's our call before the Lord to do that here. And I just want to, um, I think encourage you if I may I just want to I, I we, we got to be with our leaders um, this weekend at a retreat and I found myself saying this and I as I was thinking about this morning I wanted to communicate something of this to you all because I do believe that we're in a season um, where God has, has us ready to run and uh, it's interesting, one of the leaders uh, at the weekend had a picture of us being like at the Kentucky Derby, where the horses are in their stalls, and they're kind of jostling, and they're ready to go, they're ready for the gates to open, and I felt it was a really helpful picture to describe where I see the church, and I think that God has in us in a, a really exciting place. To be candid with you, I think we've been in a transition of one kind or another for the last four years, and I think that that's been the way, that's been our journey, but we're ready and there is a sense of, okay, let's not kind of take any more time over just figuring out who we are and what we need to do. Let's go. Let's go. Jesus is on the move in the city. You know, we, were, we had the uh, Alpha training last week. We had 13 churches across many denominations, 96 people with their teams ready to launch Alpha. And that's just one picture of what God wants to do in this city. And I think he's ready. He's got us ready to make a great impact. And I think it's time, our Lord's. There is, I look around this room and there are mature people with gifting and with faith. And I think it's time that that started to find its expression in, in new ways. And that you started and we started to believe together God's made us for significant impact. And I want to encourage you to lean into that as we go forward. Don't sit back now and then start looking at Brock because he's, we've got a lead pastor and, and, and kind of sit back and think, okay, we're now a normal church again. No, let's lean in and let's go for it. That's my charge to us all. And I hope that you guys can feel the welcome and the invitation of that. But let's, uh, let's lay hold of God for what he wants to do here together. Okay. I'm going to turn over to Brock. Thank you. Like Todd, the Lord has been sitting on me this morning. So who knows, maybe Todd and I will be up here dancing together in the next few weeks. What do you think? I told him yesterday, I hope my neuroma in my left foot gets better because dancing could be interesting. A few things. Um, first of all, I'm deeply honored. I just, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm honored to be trusted by you, to be tr trusted by these two guys that I've worked closely with for a year and two years with Mike. I'm just honored. And the other thing I would say along with that is my first move was to call Amanda and say, what do you think about this? <laughs> so the first is, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll receive this if Amanda's in. So Amanda's in. We were talking this morning. We got married here 22 years ago. 
And so the Lord is weaving something, as Brad said, God's timing is different. On that note, I looked at my watch this morning, and my battery's out. I was frustrated looking at it, and this geeky watch doesn't work, and the Lord said, you're on my time now. And so I'm not sure what all that means, but the Lord's time is different, and the Lord can do things, as scriptures say, that a nation can be born in a day. So I think we're on the Lord's time now, and things are in place. Our mission, our vision, our values, we've got an amazing staff, amazing leaders, so I'm ready to see, live into what that, what that means. Another thing I would say is I'm sobered by this because I know what leadership means, and I was strolling, strolling around the house and just saying, Lord, what in the world? You're... Your ways are different. You know, we move back here, and what are you up to? And I just heard him say, I've given you a bigger towel. And I knew exactly what he meant. That means you get to wash more feet. So I just want to say, as a leader, we, any time you're called, you're given more authority, there's more expectation, the Lord wants you to wash more feet. So I, I see myself standing before you as the lead foot washer today. And so that's the way we're going to be doing it, is the Lord, we want authority. We want the power of the Holy Spirit in all, but we're going to humble ourselves before God together as a leadership team and as a church. Amen? So I'm sobered. It's a new opportunity for Amanda and me to cling to Jesus, to get up and say, Jesus, we can't do this. Staff can't do it. Leadership team can't. So we're clinging to you and we're expecting you. This is our Lord's church. So we expect you to be our, our chief leader. We're going to follow you. Uh, last thing I would say is I'm real excited and I'm expectant. Brad and my, man, Brad was eloquent this morning. It's like, whoa, Brad is preaching. Bring it. Where is he? Is he gone? He's like the spirit. Brad blows <laughs> with the spirit. When I saw the elder speaking, I was like, I don't see Brad. Where is Brad? Brad is gone. John 3, he has blown off somewhere with the Holy Ghost. I, but, so I'm just kind of reiterating a little bit, but I'm excited and I am expectant. I am expectant. And I know you are. Again, there's a mystery in leadership and it's called cooperate with Jesus and get out of the way. I think so many times we come up with our programs and plans and we get people and we elevate them and put them in places and I think Jesus is saying to our lords will you work with me I'll give you enough to know you can plan and strategize and have that worked out but will you partner with me and let me do what I want to do in the church and I think our hearts what do we say yes yes we want that so deeply honored and trying to pull it together a little bit um, when do we want to pray? I, I definitely want our leadership team to receive prayer. We want to do it. Why don't we do it right now? I just think if we could have the elders come up and our leadership team, Brad, wherever you are in the house, there you are. All right. I just think it's important to pause. Uh, prayer saturates everything we do here, right? So I think it's not just symbolic, but we're actually in this moment saying as a church, Lord, we're looking to you. So can we just pray? Pray for our leadership team, our elders. Wallace, why don't you get us started?
Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning with grateful hearts. We thank you for these uh, men of God that you have put in place to help lead this church. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for their each individual anointings, their giftings. But Lord, as someone who's probably been closer to them than and uh, anybody else, uh, I just thank you for their hearts and their integrity. Uh, they're the real deal, Lord. They really love you, and they're really after you and after your will. And so I thank you for that, Lord. And so we pray, Lord, your blessing upon them. We pray your blessing upon Brock as he takes on this full mantle of leadership of the church. And uh, we pray for Mike and for Brad that you would... Uh, Give them new vision for the new territory that they get to uh, take on now that they have uh, more freedom to pursue the individual giftings you've given them. And so, Lord, we just ask for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in their lives, in the staff, and in our church. Lord, we thank you this morning for uh, these guys. Um, We thank you for what you have done in the past for us, what you're doing right now, and what you're going to do. Um, Someone on the back row back there told me that today, Joanne, it's sanctification. So we ask you to sanctify these guys, set them apart. Bring holiness. Bring your will. Your will be done. We'll all agree with that. Your will be done. We had a great time at the leaders retreat and I'm just I'm sensing the Lord saying that leaders promote other people so that's what we're our leadership culture is going to be that the more the Lord promotes you the more you promote other people so Lord what exactly does that mean we're going to learn that together the more he gives and I was just pondering this week too what do we have that we've not received everything we have we've received from him so let's give it away and expect more more to come what a weekend we had at the leaders retreat it was awesome part of what we were talking about was this new vision this new approach to groups and we're going to take this week and next week I'm going to share briefly here and then we're actually going to take some time collectively as a church to pray for our groups And then next week, we're going to come back and talk about groups. But today, what I want to do is I want to lay a little bit of the foundation theologically. So we're going to look at some of the theological undergirding in the Old Testament. Why why small groups? 
How do we experience community in groups? This is nothing new. This is rooted in the heart of God and in history. So today we'll look at some of those Old Testament foundations, and the next week we'll look at the New Testament. So we'll look at Jesus himself utilized a small group, several of them. And if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for us, right? So we'll look at Jesus and a little bit of teaching in Paul and the book of Acts. I want to give you a little bit of the background on on this. Um, We were sensing really over the last year that our community groups, some of them were thriving, some of them are still thriving, some of them were going through change, difficulty, leadership, burnout. And so we began to think we need to do some research and we need to consult some other churches to see what they're doing with their groups because it's an important part of church life. Right, Sunday is important. We come together like a bunch of burning logs and we have a bonfire every week together. Super important, but it's also good to have fire burning in smaller groups. And so we were just thinking, if we're actually going to be an army and not an audience, we need to to kind of reconfigure what our groups are. So we went to Evanston Vineyard and you've, many of you, most of you have met Steve Nicholson when he's come. And he was just telling me that they were in the same place about seven years ago. Their groups were really struggling. Culture changes. The way that we do life changes. We have manic schedules and these different things. And Steve said, I want you to meet this person on staff who has helped us reimagine what groups can be. Her name was Liz, so we spent a chunk of the day with her. And she suggested a book. And I want us to uh, look at this. We'll flash this up here. It's called Activate. And it's by a guy named Nelson Searcy, and he's written it with Carrick Thomas. And these two guys are from New York, and they've laid out this fresh vision for groups and for community. I actually have 10 copies on the uh, bookshelf out in the commons area if you want one. And we've also given copies of that to all of our C group leaders, our D group leaders, and our prospective group leaders. So if you're interested in reading more, you can check out this book. I'll come back to that in a moment. But we spent time in Evanston, and she said, you are just not going to believe how simple and basic and empowering this approach is. And so our interest was piqued. We began to read it, discuss it, talk about it. And it is refreshingly simple. Requires a lot of work. Connie can testify to that. She has been working very diligently for months on this. So thank you, Connie. Can we take a moment to thank Connie? So it does. It requires a lot of planning, a lot of strategizing, a lot of organizing, but there's a simplicity to the the approach. And again, we'll talk about this more. We'll unpack it. But it's basically getting the church individually, having people look into their hearts. What has God put in you? What gifts do you have? What passions? What kind? And you construct. You craft a group around that. And there's lots of leadership training and things that go into that, but it really is as simple as that. Our C groups, our community groups, and D groups will continue to function, those that wanted to. But this strategy helps us take care of our leaders in new ways, first of all. And the second thing is it helps us integrate new people. It's going to be wonderful. So we'll talk more about some of the logistics. Um, 
I, I want you to look here and just bear with me for a moment here because I'm, I'm not going to run through much, but I think it's important for us to hear as a church. Our leaders know this, but I think for the rest of us to hear, this book is basically talking about needing social interaction in different social spaces. So I don't know about you, but sometimes going to someone's house, a community group that's been established for a year or so, can be a hard sell. Anybody testify to that you know you sometimes there's a group that's been existing maybe one year five years ten years and so you're entering that some people are fine that's wonderful but we want to have groups that are suited for introverts as well so we may even before it's over have a group for introverts come to my house I'm an introvert and this group is for introverts only you extroverts Bob I've got a few people waving at me Scott Duncan's like I'm in maybe he'll lead one so really what this does is it continues to cultivate our C groups, but it also makes space, other social space where people can interact. Some people are much more comfortable coming to someone's house and drinking wine, eating cheese. Some people who have given up wine may say, hey, I want to go to an AA group in someone's house. So we can create, I mean, it's limitless. So the point of the book and this approach is that we need relationship in different kinds of social spaces. Secondly, you can look and see small groups are places where friendships are formed. And sometimes we ask our community groups to do too much. Our C group leaders are expected to open their home and now it's time for you to cultivate intimate, deep, lifelong friendships. And you have a year to do it. Sometimes it happens naturally. Some of our C groups are thriving. It's wonderful. Some of them, the leaders are burned out. And you know what? We did not have a terminus in mind. So if you signed up to lead a C group, it was for life, it appeared. There was no end in sight. This structure, actually, we're going to have three times a year, 12-week slots. We're going to have groups. Some of the groups will continue. Our C groups will continue to function during year-round. No problem at all. It's cohesive. Other people can tap out. I've done my 10 or 12 weeks, and I'm ready to uh, let someone else lead. All right, so this is going to help immensely, and it creates context for new friendships to be formed. Thirdly is, what's that third line here? Some of you need to go see Tyler for an eye checkup. Small groups that reach out thrive. And so I really think that's what Jesus is going to show us in this season is we are, by God's grace, a healthy family. We still have stuff to work through, but this place is amazing. It's welcoming. It's hospitable. We've been through a lot together, and it's time now to open ourselves in ways that maybe we haven't before and go after the harvest that's out there. So this book teaches that small groups that reach out thrive. So what I want to do here in a few minutes is I want us to look at the scriptures because we see this. This person is a man of the scriptures. This is really born out of the Bible, but I want to make sure that all that we do, this isn't a trendy approach. Community is nothing new. It's not like we go to a seminar and learn the new trendy thing. This is in the good book. Experiencing community in small groups with one another is something that's been around a long time. So I want to point it out in the Word of God. And I want to take it a step further. I want to say the first thing is that community flows from God. God is community. 
what we're talking about, experiencing community in groups with one another, it's really, I want us to have a God-centered vision of this. Oftentimes we don't. Some of the literature you read out there, it's very practical, pragmatic. It's about how to meet people's needs. You know what? Community is the presence of God. Christianity, we have this model of community, and it's called the Holy Trinity. I want us to look at this ancient icon up here. I've got an image that I want us to look at, and it helps picture the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The greatest mystery in the Christian faith right here. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit existing together. This is an ancient icon from about 500 years ago. A guy named Rublev painted this, and he spent years meditating on the scriptures, praying on his knees, saying, Lord, I want to give a gift to the church, a picture of the mystery of the Holy Trinity, and it is stunning. This is basically... You can look at this later, but Genesis 18 talks about Abraham and Sarah were visited by three mysterious visitors. And Rublev and others, they viewed this as kind of a picture of a glimpse, a window into the mystery of the Holy Trinity. And so he paints this, and you can look at it. I could go on about this, but I just want you to see briefly the Father on the left, the Son in the center, the Spirit on the right. And if you can see... The figure in the middle, the sun is pointing to a chalice in the middle. So it's his self-giving sacrifice that's even pictured there from eternity past. The self-giving, the surrendering, the love, the passion, the compassion of the sun. And they're all together. You also notice in this image, there's a seat at the table. And so Rublev was, was saying the Holy Trinity actually is open to creation. Creatures can come and enter into the communion of the Holy Trinity. Is that stunning? Sometimes we just don't think about this. We get caught in the nuts and bolts of life and all, and I want us today to lift up our gaze and say we are actually invited into communion, the koinonia of the Holy Trinity. Just reorient your whole day, your whole month, your whole life. You, my friend, are created in the image of God. You are created for communion, created for community. God wants you. God likes you. You ever have those days where you're like, God, I don't know if you really even love me. I've had him say, you know what, I like you. I like you, son. And I'm like, really? I go from kind of kicking the dirt to actually lifting my head up and saying, I get to have fellowship with you. So we want to just remind ourselves that what we're doing, community flows from the very heart of God. God exists as community. I just want to read a couple of things that people have said about this. One of my favorite Eastern Orthodox brothers, he's in Oxford, England. If you look at him on YouTube, he's like someone who stepped off of the Hobbit set or he stepped out of the Lord of the Rings. He's got this long beard, and that brother has been with Jesus for 60 years in prayer. So every time he opens his mouth, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is a friend of God. This is what he says about the the truth of this icon. 
reflecting on the early church fathers, Callistus Ware says that the Trinity is koinonia. The Trinity is interpersonal communion. The being of God is relational. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwell together and share the divine life. Divine love, therefore, is characterized by sharing and by communion. I think this is astounding. Again, I, no matter what our group is, it could be Holy Brew, our beer brewing group. It could be our study on Philippians. Every single group is infused with the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. Some people might look at the groups and think, hmm, some of these are more spiritual, and let's categorize the other ones as less spiritual. In God's mind, there is no such thing. There is no such thing. All of these groups are deeply spiritual. Great fit, our CrossFit group. The presence of God, we expect the presence of God to be there. We're going to be praying, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, how are you going to manifest your presence in these different groups? Now, you may uh, want to ask Wallace, as you're doing gray fit, are you sure the presence of God is here? I feel more pain than anything. But we do, we expect the Lord to be in all these groups because community flows from God. Can I read one more quote? I just love this quote. It's by a Protestant professor at Regent in Vancouver, Canada. His name's Daryl Johnson. And just listen to this. The living God is not an isolated, solitary God. From all eternity, the living God has lived in relationship. Indeed, has lived as relationship. At the center of the universe is relationship. From all eternity, the living God has been community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is what undergirds all of our groups. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this doctrine of the Trinity is not impractical. It's not for the nerdy theologians to work out. The doctrine of the Trinity is actually immensely practical. I don't know about you, but if I'm leading a group, I think that I'm going to ask the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to be there. Give me wisdom. Would you be present here? Would you do your work? So all of our groups are rooted in this glorious mystery of the Holy Trinity. A second thing, quickly here. I want to remind us that we are actually created for community. I'll put a text up here, Genesis 2.18. It's just one line here. In the context of this passage in Genesis 2, yes, it is about marriage between a man and a woman. But underlying it is a deeper human reality. I'm going to explain it in a moment. But in Genesis 2.18, the Lord says in the creation narrative there in chapters 1 and 2, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. The text actually says it is not good that the Adam should be alone, that the human should be alone. 
Paul talks about this. This is a deep mystery, and it really is. Paul tells us that the deeper mystery behind this is the individual human person and Jesus. And so you and I were created, yes, to be in relationship with one another, yes, to be in relationship with him. We're created for community. You hear me on that? And I know this passage can be one that raises up all kinds of things inside of us, but I, today I just want to say you were created for community. Another way to look at this is it is good for humans to be in relationship with one another. It is good for us to be in community, to know, to be known, to not live life alone. This week I was reflecting again on how this can be family. Many of us come from families that are broken and dysfunctional. I don't think that I've actually interacted with a family that isn't dysfunctional. Maybe you can come and shake my hand afterwards and say, you know what, I came from a non-dysfunctional family and I'll meet the first person. I think all families are dysfunctional in need of the redemptive work of God. The beauty of this place is we get to be spiritual family together. This is a place where we get a second chance. Some of you say, I can't even stand the thought of my family. If you only knew what I experienced at the hands of my father and my mother. So this, my friends, is the redemptive family of God. This is community. We get a second chance. Does that mean this is a perfect place? No. Dysfunctional people. But there is something about working through this together that gives us a second chance at family, at friendship, at community. And frankly, many of us need to go see Jennifer Milner and Kathleen and some of our other counselors and therapists to, to work through some of those issues, and we fully embrace that. We're going to be talking about that more in the coming days because part of being a healthy family is that we work through our stuff together. Sometimes our family stuff didn't get processed. We didn't get to work through it, and so here we actually get to work through it together. Amen? A third and final thing here as we move into praying for these groups that are emerging is that we're strengthened and protected in community. I don't think this is a very hard sell. I'm up here saying, hey, join a group. Get plugged in. If you haven't been part of community, join us. We'd love to have you. And this is a beautiful verse here, Ecclesiastes 4. Some of you are saying, wow, I was just reading Ecclesiastes this week. I'm so glad. Right, Colt? Colt has just been pouring over Ecclesiastes, sending me texts. So Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Sometimes this is a verse that may be read at a wedding, and there's some goodness to that. But there's also something very human that speaks to all of us. This is what Ecclesiastes 4 says. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift the other. But woe to one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Really, the picture here is actually not about a woman and a man. It's actually about friendship. And if you notice, there's some battle elements in here. These are passages written by people that were oftentimes hiding in caves and running from people trying to capture them. 
And so this is actually something that spans way beyond marriage. Look at what happens. If one falls, another can help you get up. When it's cold, the two of you can huddle up together and stay warm. If one person is walking alone, it's easier to attack that person and jump them. If there's two or more, you can kick butt together. So this is a very practical, very human passage about being strengthened and protected in community. I love that a cord of one is easily broken, but a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So our groups are going to be places where the threefold cord is woven together, right? We're going to get involved in each other's lives, form new friendships, rely on each other, take care of each other. And I want to end with this. If you think that you are the exception, I don't need community. I'm actually really good. I'm, I'm pretty a spiritually empowered recluse. My friend, you're not. There is no exception. All of us, I'm pretty monastic at heart. You can ask Amanda. My ideal day off is I want to go be totally alone with my books, meditate, do all. But you know what? I need community. You need community. Amanda and I went without community for about seven years. There's no going back. We're nutso about community. We're nutso about what's happening here. And I know you are too. So I want us to take a couple minutes here as we end. And why don't we, uh, I know we've got people visiting and things, and let's make this as easy as possible. But I want you to just circle up. Kind of if two of you over here, you can come up and let's get in circles four, five, ten people, whatever it is. And I want to ask as we close here, we just, as a church, we're going to pray a couple of things for our groups. Okay, let's just take a moment here. You can slide in so people can get with John and Mary Lou. Again, everything starts and ends with prayer. So I want us as a church before God to pray for our groups that are emerging.